And we've been kind of covering uh, some of these uh, sins that Paul has been laying out for us. And these are sins that I think sometimes we, we kind of treat them as like sanitized sins. Uh, there was a book that came out uh, a while back and it was, uh, um, it was called Respectable Sins. And, uh, you know, as we think about like anger and um, we think about lying and, uh, you know, we, we think about stealing. Um, and today what we're going to be looking at is our words and how we use our words. Sometimes we treat those things as if um, they're really not that bad. But in reality, all sin, every sin, Christ died for. And because he died for them, um, they are very serious. So they're very offending to God. And so this verse here that we're going to look at here in verse 29, it really deals with our speech of what we say and how we say it. Now, I want to preface this uh, before we jump in here, that no, none of us is immune to this sin. Uh, James tells us that uh, the tongue is an unruly evil, that no man can uh, tame the tongue. Yeah, that's exactly right. You can't tame the tongue. It has to be put to death. So this is something that we all struggle with. I myself, I think uh, many times we get in the idea of people that might be in any type of church leadership or church type ministry that we are immune or exempt from these types of, of sins. But I have sinned greatly with my own tongue. I've said things that I should not say. I have spoken things that I should not have said them. I have used my tongue in ways that I should not use it. So we are all in this uh, thing together uh, here this morning. And I find it interesting, especially with uh, verse 29, that uh, this verse is really given within the context of the unity of the body of Christ. And you think about that, the things that we say and how we say them, how that affects our relationships, husband and wife, uh, parents and children, uh, boss and co-workers, even believer to other believer. What we say and how we say it really impacts how we have our relationships uh, with one another. I recently heard a story about a, a woman that uh, came to an old Puritan pastor in London and, and told him that the, the cords that uh, they used to wear on their long regalia, their uh, sermon robes that they would, uh, Sunday sermon robes that they would wear, uh, she was greatly offended at how they looked and how long that they were. And it, it troubled her greatly when the, when the pastor would get up to speak. And uh, one Sunday, she had it in her mind that she was going to tell the uh, pastor there of how those cords bothered her. And uh, thinking that he would agree to allowing her to shorten them, she took along with her a pair of scissors to uh, the service. And after the pastor spoke, she went up to him and she said, Pastor, there is something that has been greatly troubling me and given me a lot of trouble when you get up and speak. And she said, would you allow me to uh, give you some criticism and, and help you? And he said, well, sure, by all means, absolutely. And she said, those cords, those robes that you're wearing are just too long. And they, they distract me. She said, I brought along a pair of scissors. Do you mind if I go ahead and trim those cords for you? And he said, well, sure, absolutely. 
And so she trimmed those cords there and she gave him back the things. And he says, now, ma'am, in a one turn deserves another. Uh, would you mind if I help you with something? Uh, something that I would like to, that's been greatly uh, disturbing me. And she said, well, sure, by all means. He says, hand me the scissors. And he said, put out your tongue. I'd like to trim it and cut it. You know, we laugh at that because we all know it's true that sometimes the things that we say as they're going out of our mouth, we wish that we could just kind of pull those things back. And our, our tongue, the Bible tells us in the book of James, is an unruly evil. It's, it's, it's set on fire from the very pits of hell. And so the words that we use and how we say them are very important, especially within Christian unity and knowing that uh, we are speaking as a Christian should. Uh, so a Christian speech here, it, it's interesting that uh, Paul puts it right in harmony with uh, lying. He puts it in uh, with being angry. You know, uh, people that steal, because sometimes people that steal have to lie. And so how we use our words are, are very important uh, for that. Paul will go later on uh, in previous verse, in other verses later on in like verse 31. He'll talk about bitterness, wrath, and anger and clamor uh, should be put away from us. And then also in uh, chapter 5, uh, he'll talk about our speech as well. But primarily, we're going to focus here on verse number uh, 29 and our words and how we use them and what we say. So let me sum up what Paul is saying here in verse 29. Basically, Paul is saying, don't use your words to tear down others. Instead, use your words to build others up. And that's basically what Paul is saying. So let's take a look here at this verse. Uh, in order to have graceful talk, if we're going to have graceful talk, uh, number one, Realize you tear down people with your words. You tear down people with your words. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. The world in which we live thrives off of corrupt speech. Uh, if you've been following this whole thing with... Um, Judge Kavanaugh and Dr. Ford and the media frenzy that was going on with all of that, you saw the power of words, how one party would tear down another party and what a person said and how it uh, brought uh, fuel to the fire. You, you see that. Uh, many of the uh, shows that are on television that uh, we sometimes watch uh, have a lot to do with insulting others and, and uh, this bantering that goes back and forth, and we laugh about that. Um, but all of that is a characteristic of the old nature. That type of speech is a characteristic of the old nature. And the life that you used to live before you knew Christ... And Paul says, we're not supposed to live that way anymore. We're supposed to be transformed by the gospel. And that should affect our speech, what we say to people and how we say it. So how can we change? Well, remember our formula back there in Ephesians 4. Uh, it tells us in verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, 
and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we're supposed to put it off, put off that corrupt speech and we're supposed to renew our minds and then put on the new man which is created after Christ Jesus. Look at this word here in, in this verse, verse 29. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. That word corrupting basically means useless, unwholesome, or unprofitable. It also means rotten. In Matthew 7, verse 17 through 18, in reference uh, to bad fruit, Jesus said this, In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree is not able to bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree to bear good fruit. He's talking about rotten fruit, and that's the same word of corrupting. And so Paul is saying, put off this corrupt, rotten speech that is part of the old life. Uh, it was also used to describe rotten uh, flesh or fish. In Matthew, set, uh, Matthew 13, verse 48, it says, They put the good fish into containers and threw the bad away. So it was rotten fish. Have any ever had uh, rotten fruit or rotten fish? It's pretty gross and disgusting. I was sometimes I go through. Uh, our refrigerator, and um, I'll find things that are, wow, this thing grew a couple of arms and legs. <laughs> it's rotten. It needs to be thrown away. Sometimes Evelyn will ask for milk at night, and then the milk gets lost. We don't know where it went. And then, oh, I'll find it. And I have to pour it out. Oh, man, the odor from that is disgusting. And so Paul says, let no rotten talk come out of your mouths. So how do we tear others down with our speech? Let me give you a few examples or ways that we use our speech in a very corrupt way. And I think all of us have, have been in these types of situations where we have used our speech in a rotten, corrupt useless way. Number one, how about name calling, put downs, or insulting those who insult us, trading insult for insult. First uh, Peter 3, 9 says, do not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead bless others because you were called to inherit a blessing. Many times in a marriage between a husband and a wife when um, there is contention or there's pride or there's strife going on, a husband and wife will trade insult for insult. And it's like a spiraling effect. And as they are going back and forth doing this bantering of insult for insult, it just widens the gap. And it just, it just causes more disunity or, or disharmony. And that's the same even in, in homes as well. When I was growing up, it used to be a, a real popular thing, especially like in elementary school. You would learn all these, uh, you know, your mama joke type things, you know, and, and we would insult each other with those types of things. But Paul says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. Secondly, sarcasm, ridicule, and mockery. 
Never use sarcasm or ridicule as a husband and wife towards one another. Neither should you ever use it with your children. Why? Because it's corrupt. It's not helping them. It's corrupt. Never mock something that a person cannot change, such as a physical feature or a family background issue. Jesus sometimes used sarcasm in the scriptures. We find that, especially when he was dealing with the Pharisees. But he was dealing with their legalism. He was dealing with their hypocrisy. Uh, we read about uh, um, there when uh, the prophets of Baal come, uh, there in the Old Testament, and uh, Elijah saying, oh, can they not hear you? Oh, and he was ridiculing them. And I believe that that type of way of ridiculing can be used in a right way, but it's just like anger. Um, you can be angry, but don't use it for sinful purposes. Um, number three, how about blaming with blanket statements? Uh, as a husband, I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I say things like, you always, or you never. That's corrupt talk. It's ungodly speech. You know, blaming others has been one of those things that came with the fall. Remember there in the garden, uh, Adam and Eve, they had sinned, and God said, what have you done? Well, <laughs> don't look at me, it was the woman. What did the woman say? Oh, don't look at me, it was that, that serpent over there. So this blaming thing is, is part of the sinful nature and corrupt talk. Number four, how about complaining? Have you ever been guilty of griping and complaining? I know I have. Sometimes our complaints come in the form of prayer requests. Ouch. Philippians 2.14 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. And all complaints are ultimately, they're all aimed towards God. Because you are unhappy, you are basically saying to God, what you did is not fair. And we complain and we, we, we uh, gripe about things. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 reminds us, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is corrupt talk that we're supposed to be putting away from our lives. How about destructive criticism? Criticism is good. Criticism is, is a really good thing but destructive criticism. In your words, are they aimed at helping others or hurting others? We can do a lot of damage with our words, what we say. They're very damaging words that you can say to people, and they can be very hurtful and not helpful. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So are your words sometimes like a thrust of a sword? Oh, yeah, take that. Or are they wise words that bring healing? Number six, how about angry words with threats and revenge? This would be trying to control people with fear and intimidation. Paul says, put away that type of corrupt speech. Number seven, how about lies and manipulative speech? 
We already looked there in verse 25 about putting away falsehood. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. But using manipulative type of speech to get your own way is a form of lying. Because you want something that you can't have or you want a situation to change that's not going to change. And so you're going to try to manipulate people, deceiving people into getting what you want. That is corrupt talk. How about gossip and slander? I believe often gossip and slander spread partial truths that are mixed with falsehood to make the other person look bad. Sometimes gossip and slander may be true, but the one that you're telling it to doesn't need to know it. It's not going to benefit them anything. There's so many more ways that I think we sin with our tongue, but I, I think that that's a pretty good overall aspect of, of corrupt speech that can come out of our mouths. That's why, that's why James said, no man can tame the tongue. It has to be put to death. It has to be snip. <laughs> Jesus said it well, right? He says, if your hand offends you, do what? Cut it off. If your tongue is offending you, cut it off. Put it to death. So realize that you tear down people with your words. This type of speech does not build up anyone. It tears people down. And Paul says, put it away. Put it off. So realize you tear down people with your words. Secondly, there is power to change our speech through the gospel. Paul says here that we should only have such speech as to good for building up edification as fits the occasion. And we'll come back to that here in just a little moment, but so that it will give grace to those who hear. Now look at that phrase, your mouths. If we are going to have graceful talk, if we're going to build others up, if we're going to help and heal people with our words, this only happens through being a new creation in Christ Jesus. Who was Paul talking to? He was talking to believers. And he's saying, you have been transformed by the power of the gospel. Don't live this former manner of life anymore. Live the new man that's been created after Christ Jesus. Now, I believe that believers can struggle with their speech, and that doesn't mean that they lose their salvation. But the point is that you can have moral speech, but without Christ, a person's heart is still deceitful, a person's heart is unregenerated, and a person's heart is corrupt. Have you ever seen lipstick on a pig? Do we have any pig farmers in here or used to be pig farmers? Oh, Don, okay. Don, did you ever put lipstick on a pig? No. Well, in case you've never seen it, I actually have a picture of one. And I believe so many times people that are unregenerated, even though they may try to be moral... It's like putting lipstick on a pig. It doesn't change the person. 
So there must be a transformation that comes from putting on this new man in Christ Jesus. It's created in the likeness of God. It's been created in righteousness and truth and holiness. You see, without true gospel change in Christ, you may say all the types of nice things that you want to, but reality, you have not changed your nature. You're just putting lipstick on a pig. That's it. The Christian uses godly speech to glorify a Savior, and it is a completely new motive from the new birth. Listen to Galatians 5, 20 through 21. And this warns us, for those that, for those that say, well, you know what, speech, my speech, what I say is not really a big deal. Listen to the warning from the Scriptures. Galatians 5, 20 through 21, it says, Emities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying. I am warning you, as I has warned you before, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So our speech is a huge deal to God. And so if you have not turned to Christ, if you have not trusted Christ, if you have not repented of your sin and turned to Christ, and you are still living a life where you're using hurtful speech, and you're thinking, well, I'm a good person, or I attend a church here, or I do Christian-type things, be warned. Paul says this type of of people that live this way. He says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and slanders. He also said in Matthew 12, 34, You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of what which fills the heart. So evil speech is rooted in an evil heart. That's why genuine, true Christian conversion, the gospel conversion is foundational for the type of speech that we use. So if you say, if I say that I'm a believer in Christ, I have been transformed by the gospel, does your speech Back that up, what you say and how you say it. So there is power to change our speech through the gospel, and we can change our speech through the gospel. How do we do that? Let's look at this thirdly. Use words that build others up. So if we're going to put off our former manner of life, then we need to renew our minds, be renewed in the spirit of our minds, and then we are supposed to put on the new man, which is created after Christ Jesus, in holiness and in righteousness. This is how we change. This is the new habits. Look what he says. But only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear.
So how do I find the words that build up? How do I make sure my speech is graceful and not corrupt? First of all, judge your thoughts. Judge your thoughts. Did you ever say something, and as you said it, I mean, it's like you literally saw the words like coming out of your mouth, and you're like, oh no, this is a train wreck about ready to happen. Judge your thoughts. For the Christian, the battle to maintain the right type of speech is either won or it's lost in the mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 through 5 tells us this, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Boy, this, this happens so many times, and I, this happened in, even in my own marriage. I remember that maybe uh, because of my sinfulness or my selfishness that I may have wanted something done a certain way. And because of my wife's sinfulness or her selfishness, she wanted something done a certain way. And when you bring two sinners together, guess what happens? You sin against each other. And when that happens in the marriage, sometimes we will say something or maybe something they did something to us or we did something to them. And in your mind, you start to dwell upon that and think about how they were so mean and rude to you. My wife always used to get on to me because I'm very clumsy and I would turn around and step on her foot or, you know, do this number and, and things like that. And I didn't mean to. But if she were to dwell on that and think about that, of how, how, how rude you are, well, then it begins to change your attitude towards that person. And then when that person may say something to you, you immediately fire back hard, harsh words like a thrust of a sword, all because you allowed those things to dwell in your mind of how rude or how unkind that that person may have been towards you. And so Paul tells us to tear down those strongholds, take every thought to the obedience of Christ. So judge your thoughts. Don't allow them to run rampant. Secondly, use wholesome words. Paul says here in this verse, only such as is good for building up. Use words that will help the other person to grow in holiness. Now, here are a few examples of these, and I think these are, are very helpful. Uh, words with appreciation and thankfulness. Are you thankful and appreciative towards people? Many times we're not because of our old sinful nature. We are proud and rude and stubborn. And many times we don't thank people or we're not appreciative towards people. Say loving words. Say I love you often. How about patient words? Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 reminds us that love is patient. How about kind words? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 reminds us that love is kind. How about gentle words? The fruit of the Spirit includes gentleness in Galatians 5, 23. 
and it's being under control of the spirit. You know how you can tell when somebody's not spirit-filled? Because their words are not gentle. Because if you are being controlled by the Spirit, being under control by the Spirit, your words will be gentle words towards those that you're speaking to. How about words of Scripture? Speak words of Scripture to people. How about, how about words of loving correction when needed? And that's where we get into this where it says, speak but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion. Boy, this is so important. Sure, there might be something very true about someone. Sure, there might be something that needs to be said. But is it the right time to say it? It's got to fit the occasion. Have you ever met people that feel like it's their job to go around and correct everything about everybody? That's me. <laughs> and the Bible says to speak words that as fits the occasion. So it may not be the right timing to tell your spouse something that's going to help them right then and there. It has to fit the occasion. These are truthful words. These are words that are helpful and loving, but they must be given at the right time. You know, I believe many times Paul wanted to tell believers, tell the believers about things that were heavy on his heart, but he wrote, he says, I can't tell you of these things right now because you cannot bear them. You won't be able to bear them. He writes in First uh, and Second Corinthians, he says, you know, I'm not writing this letter to cause you to, to bring a, a, a guilt upon you or to, to cause you to be sorrowful. He says, I want to help you. And Paul's words are very weighty at times and they're very correcting at times. But I believe Paul used his words and he used them Holy Spirit filled words at the right occasion, at the right time, as he was inspired, as he was writing those letters to the churches. And so we must use our speech as fits the occasion. Be tactful. Be loving. Try to help them. Lastly, look at this. Use words that show grace. He says, use such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Use words that show grace towards others. If you are at odds with people, perhaps because that person may have, may have wronged you, okay, they've sinned against you, many times we'll be inclined to think, this person doesn't deserve mercy. And if they ask me, oh man, I am so fed up with that person. If they come over here and ask me one more thing, I'm just going to let them have it. Whoa, time out. We are supposed to be giving grace to those who hear. God's word commands us to love differently by showing grace to those that don't even deserve it. What comes before Ephesians 4? 
What comes before Ephesians 3? What comes before Ephesians 2? And what is Ephesians 1 through 3 all about? The grace that God showed us. That he loved us before the foundation of the world. That he lavished grace upon us even when we didn't deserve it. That he sealed us. That he has come to indwell in us. That he's taken us from dead to alive. Not because of anything that we've done, but by the power of the gospel. That is grace that God has shown us that we don't even deserve. And the Bible commands us here to use words that show grace towards others. Even when you think that they don't deserve it. You see, grace extends to others what God has extended towards you. It also extends to others what you need in return from others because you and me often fail and we fail often. So, although it might be true about that person, that doesn't mean that you have the right to tell them, to thrust in them words of hurt, but instead you're supposed to use graceful words. Paul said that only that my speech would become the gospel, that my speech would become that of the gospel. Think about that. My prayer for me is that I would be a person of grace, that I would extend grace towards others with graceful words. Am I there yet? By no means. No, I fail. I fail so, so much in what I say. But this is all part of our sanctification process where we learn and we say, oh, Lord, you're, you're teaching me something here. I need to put that off. I need to renew my mind. I need to put on the new man, which is created after Christ Jesus. And I continue and I continue till Christ be formed in you, is what the scriptures teach us. So be a Christian with graceful talk. Use grace-filled words towards others. Speak and speak well. Speak and use words of encouragement, words that will not tear down, but words that build up, that edify others. Let's pray together.